I'm ready. So welcome to Bonehead. Today we have an No, you know what? No, you don't welcome to Bonehead. Screw yourselves. Why are you listening to us? Go listen to something more fantastic like, uh, I don't know, uh, How to Cook with Shrimp. There's oh my God. Is there a podcast about cooking with shrimp? I want to be on that show. Screw this. <laughs> I'm glad James brought that home because I have to be honest with you. Teasing me about cooking with shrimp. <laughs> that didn't really. <laughs> and then James somehow found the way. I'm going to look up a podcast, How to Cook with Shrimp, because if not, that's our next show. <laughs> could it be worse? Could the ratings be worse? The ratings could always be worse. Worst? Worst. They could always be a wiener. Once again, to quote Harvey Danger, one thing's certain, we'll have problems and then we'll have bigger ones. Bigger. Beggars. 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 Did I tell everybody that we were going to be at Comic-Con and there's, have a live show? There's one called The Shrimp Tank. What the hell's that about? What can a young entrepreneur figure out how to turn their dreams into reality? Just take a step into The Shrimp Tank. Shrimp Tank brings you interviews and some of the most successful businesses and owners care. in the United States to learn so, the don'ts. So, so it's Shark Tank on a budget, is what you're telling. Podcasts, yeah. White Shrimp Tank. Ooh, how about Rock Shrimp? We'll get Ozzy. Ooh, da, 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 da. Rock Lobster. <laughs> Go with that's, me on this one. That's too much finery. I can't afford lobster. Rock Lobster. I want to start quoting the job, but I don't think anybody's going to know that I'm quoting the job, and they're all going to say, why is he so racist? <laughs> <laughs> Well, they're already saying that now. So. <laughs> no, no. I'm pretty sure the word you're looking for is sexist. You can be both. I don't think so. I won't Trump has taught me anything. <laughs> I'll just be acquitted. Um, yeah. So, let's not talk politics because that's not this show. And it brings us down. We have wanted to do this topic for a while. And by we, Chad has aggravated the piss out of us till we've finally done this topic. No. Every week you go, what topic are we doing? I give you a list. Gangsters is on that list. <laughs> Every week? Yeah. We have a list. Okay. This is what we haven't well, done. Well, if you'll shut up for a second, I'll give you a half-assed compliment. Oh, I was putting... Hold on. Good lording about Let me slice my wrist now so I don't have to go through this trauma. It's a nerve <laughs> you? Why are you on the bridge He's of on, the original Enterprise? I thought you were going to say the River Quiet. Hard to port? <laughs> Hard to starboard? <laughs> if you're listening frankly sir i'm exhausted looking around with his camera god that's a lot of you dude <laughs> and you've got a lot of negative space over to your left my right he's kind of following the rule of four yeah that's a lot of james go ahead anyway so we're gonna have to do a two-parter on this we are it doesn't necessarily have to be next week but okay. there's just too much okay Yes, there are a lot of gangster flicks. We're doing gangster movies. That's right. <laughs> well, there's a lot of gangster flicks, there but I'm are. trying to say I've got too much to talk about. Okay. It was forever oh, yeah. narrowing and down three, and I finally picked three things that I didn't think either one of you bastards would pick. Yeah. Yeah. I, I truly did. I'll be honest with you. Um, there are so many gangster of, movies I love. One of mine is a classic, because I actually went, I went more obscure from the gangster flicks. Well, not one Mine. of them, one of them's not obscure, but I did go less known because there are so many well-known gangster flicks. Did that you I do anything in the '30s or the '40s? No, I'm good. Um, no, all of mine are more recent. Nope, I did not. No. I wanted to go old school, but I figured you and James would cover those, so I went. James, do you have anything in the '30s or '40s? 
Hold on. I actually have to check a date. Hold on. Let me check. You know, while he's holding, <laughs> I, am, I do want to talk about one that we probably – No, 50s. Know, 50s is my list. Okay, good. I'm going to assume nobody – is, he, is Ooh, the Irish – could have done the killers. Is the Irishman on anybody's list? No, I haven't seen it yet. James, I'm assuming you were going to – Okay. So the one that we just briefly talk about the Irishman. I'm not going to go into details. I just want to do one complaint. Martin uh, Scorsese is a hack. No. So, so what you're saying is, is Chad, you'll take the uh, never mind. No, <laughs> it's, it's, and it's the hack criticism about the whole de aging the whole de aging technique. It didn't work for you. No. Well, so when I was watching it, I was a little weirded out that Joe Pesci kept calling Robert De Niro kid. Because when I was looking at the movie, I assumed Robert De Niro was playing a 40-year-old. He is playing a 29-year-old man in that movie. Does it look like he's 29? No, he looks like he's 40, and he moves like he's 70. <laughs> because he's 70. Yeah, he's 70. So I was like, that whole thing took me out of it. I mean, it's a good film. It's worth a watch. By all means, I'm never going to criticize Scorsese. He's an amazing director. Whatever. Have you ever seen that piece of shit, Goodfellas? <laughs> what about The Departed? Speaking of gangster movies. Yes, those are not on my list. No, but they're good. <laughs> they're amazing. But again, those are more well-known, and I wanted to go more under the radar. I thought you were going to say under the covers. No. In which case, where's your hand going? <laughs> they don't call him Hand Job Chad for nothing. So, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, uh, I figured we would go a little different route. All right. Who wants to go first? You know, I, I, you want me to start? Go Not for particularly. it. <laughs> well, go to hell. I'm going to start with this film by this fellow named Martin Scorsese. Never heard of him. Yeah, well, evidently he's made some films. But After actually, Hours is not a gangster film. Uh, I, shit in it's, it. It's, um, also got Cheech and Chong. It's one that actually doesn't get brought oh, up as a gangster film very often, but I want to bring it up because I think it's, it's a great example of early gangsters. It's Gangs of New York. That's got gangster shit in it. It does. It does because you have the Irish, you have the different ethnicities. You also have the Civil War in the background um, as kind of, you know, the recruiting. Is the Civil War, War going on at the same time as Gangs of New York? I thought the Civil War was before Gangs it's, of New York. It ends with the citywide draft riot. Yeah. Is that what it is? I can't. Yeah. It's been a long time since. And I've they get it. blown up by the Union Army, which actually happened. Yeah. Yeah. Which is one of the only times that they got fired on. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, spoilers. <laughs> well, I, it, by the way, if you're watching this show and you don't realize we're going to be spoiling movies, again, uh, Cooking with Shrimp. <laughs> no, it's been a long time since I've seen it. And, you know, honestly, I enjoyed it, but I liked it the better the second time because there's just certain things like when it cuts to the uh, Bill the Butcher and the visual of the American flag in his eyeball. I always yeah. thought that was so hack. <laughs> I mean... Not no, the, that he's Scorsese. Yeah. Well, and there are scenes, and you got to remember that that was delayed and released because of a certain event that happened in America that made everybody um, a little bit more patriotic, uh, at yeah. least briefly. Um, I wonder if that ending, challenger was that ending tacked on because of that for the gangster. That, that ending, from my understanding, that ending was the same, but it got extended. Okay. Like it was going to end with the city slowly growing up, and the, but then they expanded how much the city grows. And, gotcha. But no, speaking of the eye scene, it's when he's sitting there with the knife tapping his glass eye. Oh, that gets me every time. That's the one where I'm like, okay. Um, but if you've never seen Gangs of New York, it's basically, not glass, it's wood. Right? Yeah, he's tapping his eye. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's 1800s. I don't think they had glass eyes back then. Are you sure? <laughs> no. <laughs> well, the only reason I'm arguing with you is because I saw a 
an episode of American Pickers. <laughs> they were picking glass I, eyes. I could be completely wrong. Or was it? Or was it? Well, that show I might was, be. I might be confusing Gangs of New York with Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> I think you are. They're very. And that just hit me. I'm going to shut up. Glass eyes, then. James, go uh, on. Because they'd have the actual. There was a glass eye salesman. No shit. They'd have a box. You open it up, and there'd be different kinds of glass eyes you could buy from the fucker. <laughs> go ahead, James. I want the one that's constantly got pink eye. <laughs> I don't want to go to work. Oh, my God. Conjunctivitis once again has struck. That's cynical. Uh, anyway, uh, if you've never seen it, Leonardo DiCaprio, Daniel Day-Lewis, um, and that's based on the actual character. He, it, in the movie, they call him Bill the Butcher. And his name is William Cutting. It's actually based on William Poole, if you want the real history. So look up William, William Poole. William Poole is the name of the actual guy he's based on. But it starts with, as most good gang films do, you have to have rival gangs. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's a glass the, eye. I thought it was. It's the Catholic Irish and the people that consider themselves Americans, which, again, is funny because they've only settled in America one or two generations before. Yeah, Bill the Butcher views himself as a true American, and the Irish as imposing upon that. And and you know, it's there's a lot of religious commentary. Bill's worried about the fact that the Catholics will do whatever the man in the pointy hat tells them to do. I believe is his terminology, um, and that that they're going to take over America. And so he the 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 Irish Catholic gang is called the Dead Rabbits. Joke. <laughs> yeah, don't do it. The the uh, Irish Catholic gang is called the Dead Rabbits. It's worse than what you think it is. I'm pretty sure. I know. I, I'm pretty sure it's always going to be worse. I've been sitting here trying to think of a Merrimack joke <laughs> because it being made out of iron, and then I couldn't think of anything really funny. And Aluminium wasn't funny, and then it went way worse. <laughs> the the you were movie, saying, sir. The movie is actually based on a history that was written. In Hold 19- on, historical jokes are just for you, Chad. <laughs> Hysterical jokes? Is that what you said? I was trying to say historical. I know you were. But it might have came out hysterical. What was the other iron ship? Merrimack and the what? The Nina. Those were made out of plexiglass. <laughs> <laughs> Glass bottom boats. A lot of them. Glass bottom boats. We're going to look at squids on the way to the new world. And they were the- all driven by Captain Jack Sparrow. Sparrow. <laughs> And his wooden eyes. <laughs> Damn this, it! <laughs> this movie, Gangs of New York, uh, was was based on Scorsese in 1970. Did you know it, was, it took him this long? Yeah, no. He wasn't. Was that not he, supposed to be his follow up? It wasn't Mean Streets. I think that was supposed to be his follow up to Taxi Driver. Uh, yes, you're absolutely right? right. He discovered the book in 1970. No studying. He Never did Mean studied. Streets in '73. Taxi Driver in 76. In 1979, he got the rights to the book, finally. Wow. He read the book in 1970. The book is Herbert Asbury's The Gangs of New York, An Informal History of the Underworld. It was published in 1927. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's why it's the history of the underworld. We think about Chicago, Al Capone, and all that stuff. This was the history written when that stuff was actually going on. Scorsese realized this would be a great book. It will show that we've always had this underworld in America. You mean it to be a great movie because the book already yeah. existed. Hands. Um, what am I supposed to do with this? Yes. Um, in 1999, he was able to finally make a partnership with this man whose name we're not supposed to mention anymore. 
who agreed to finally who agreed to finally make the movie. Um, the big problem was that New York didn't look like New York did it in the you know no that's 1860s. That uh, do you do you have information about the sets? Go ahead. That's actually they spent I think over ninety million dollars building it, and that I, I want to say that is one of the last movies with that huge of practical sets. They did film that, in New that, York, that, but they, that, that you're absolutely right. That New York doesn't exist. That New York built out of wood. He's wrong. Doesn't exist. Joe's wood. Wrong. Why? We all know it was Avatar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have a story um, about that too. Did you know when you went into the the digital bay or whatever when they were working on what they looked like? Do you know what the mantra was above the door? No. Must be fuckable. <laughs> nice. The the But you kind of get it, right? Yeah, I get it. I get it. They filmed some in New York, but a lot of it was filmed in Italy. Original cast members that were cast had to leave production because it took too long. Uh, so Robert De Niro, shockingly, was in a Scorsese film, as was William Defoe, but they had to leave because... Who were they going kept... to play? I don't know. I know they were originally in the film, because you can find the history of it, and they had to leave, which actually drove the cost up, because they still had to pay them. So this movie overshot its budget by 25%, wow. which isn't a big deal, in theory. A, it's Scorsese, it still made money, but it was budgeted only for $100 million, which is a lot of money to normal people, but not Right. So it was $125 million. Don't worry. That guy we're not supposed to make mention anymore still made money. It was 193 in the box office. Yeah, and that's probably the domestic box office. Well, they had the world's biggest star. Yeah. Yeah, Henry Thomas is in it. You're right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I was going to say, he's phone home. Yeah. Music is also by Howard. Riley. I almost said John Z. McGinley. That'd have been a different picture. <laughs> yeah. Actually, speaking of which, it's got a great cast. You have Brendan Gleeson, Henry Thomas, uh, John C. Riley, Jim Broadbent, Cameron Diaz, Daniel Day-Lewis, Leonardo DiCaprio, and a bunch of other people that you'll recognize from this. And I mean, it's a good cast. Henry I Thomas really enjoy it. It's, uh, it's a heavy movie to watch on a random day, but it is – I had to bring it up because it is probably – That's one of the movies I can actually – wherever it's playing, I can actually sit down and watch it. Hmm. I enjoy it. Hmm. These are the hands that built America. Children. I like it. I probably need to rewatch it. I don't have an attachment to it. And I'm probably for some, I actually think Cameron Diaz gets shit. I actually think she's a decent actress. She is. I just, something about her in that movie that I don't know what it is. I've been to the five points in, in reality. I've, I've actually been to the five points. I okay. recommend going there and hanging out at three in the morning. <laughs> are you done? Gangs of New York is my first one. Yeah, Who's next? Go for it. Because <sighs> James brought up a classic, you're going to bring up a classic, and then I'm going to throw a screw into the works. <laughs> <clears throat> oh, my okay. God. Dead air. Dead air. Dead air. Dead air. What are you doing? You According made this list. James Cagney's autobiography, May Clark's ex-husband, Lou Bryce, enjoyed the grapefruit scene so much that he went to the movie theater every day just to watch that scene and only leave, uh, watch that scene. Don't know what I'm talking about? No, I know what you're talking about. Her ex-husband went to the movie every day to watch that one scene. <laughs> okay. Okay, not done there. All right. All right. So hold on for one second. Later, 
On set, James Cagney stared at Gene Harlow's cleavage and asked, likely in perfect innocence and good humor, how do you keep those things up? <laughs> I iced them, Harlow said, before trotting off to her dressing room to do just that. <laughs> That's right, we're talking about the public, public enemy. enemy. Ah, ah. Pre-code. Huh? That was a pre-code film, too. It's a pre-code film. That's absolutely right. Directed by William Wellman, starring James Cagney and Gene Harlow. Here's the plot. A young hoodlum rises up through the ranks of the Chicago underworld, even in a gangster's accidental death threatens to spark a bloody mob war. Listen, we cannot talk about gangster pictures without having Cagney. Who actually did not like playing gangsters. No, in fact... He was, got, he was a song and dance man. He was a song and dance man. He loved to do that. In fact, he did it, what? What was the last one he did, the musical? Is there one in the 70s? What's the name of it? I don't know. I think there is. I'm missing something. I apologize to our listeners. No, and he always thought that they were low budget, and they were. They oftentimes were yeah. low budget. Uh, we'll talk about something else here later, but I can't bring it up without seeing it. And there's a great scene in it, if you don't know, if you've never seen Public Enemy, check it. But what I'm referring to with the grapefruit is he picks up a piece of grapefruit right. and shoves it in a woman's face. Right. Well, this is 1931, 32, yeah. right? Is right. it 31? Uh, I'll look it up. 1931. You just didn't do things like that. Not in a picture. People were shot and killed throughout that movie. Right. There's a lot of death. There's a lot of action. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm sorry. I thought you had it pulled up. No, no. I'm look. I'm going to look up the 1970s thing he was in. It's not my favorite. No. But I'm going to talk. My next one's going to be about that since I know everybody else left me the 30s and the 40s is my favorite. The one that's most quotable. He was in the Ballad of Smokey the Bear. <laughs> well, weren't we all? <laughs> but... I need to just talk about that for a second. I only had the two little points that I thought. And actually, I was going back through, and there are some quotes. Public Enemies, 1931. 1931. I was close. I did say 31. Yep. Um, there's some good quotes in it, but there are no great quotes. The other great quotes come actually from the other movie I'm going to talk about in a minute. Which okay. was Postcode. Yep. That's right. But it has the great quotes. The ones that people quote. The, the ones where movies like Naked Gun 33 and a third ripoff. And people go, that's funny. And you're like, oh, shit. No, they're ripping something off that you've never even seen. <laughs> yeah. Chad? Okay. See, I'll make it quick so I can spend time on something else. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be quick on this one, too. James brought up Gangs of New York. Joe brought up Public Enemy. Man. Two pieces of classic cinema history. Let me bring one that's not. Original Gangsters. No. The Crew. <laughs> With Burt Reynolds, Richard Dreyfus, Burt Reynolds, Dan Hedaya, and Seymour Cassell. One of these things doesn't belong. <laughs> One of these things. Not to be confused with Howard Cosell. Directed by Michael Dinner. No idea. Who hasn't done anything other than The, the crew. crew. He does a late. This was his only foray into actual cinema. He has done nothing but TV work. Mm. This was his only movie. You know, I don't think I've ever actually seen anything but scenes in it. <laughs> um, Why did you pick that one? Because it's obscure, and I always bring up some. <laughs> I've got a half dozen obscure ones here that don't suck. It's obscure. It doesn't necessarily suck. There are funny moments in it. Well, it's got Burt Reynolds. Uh, it also has Richard Dreyfus And Dan Hedaya. And, and actually, I see Mark, they're all great character actors. Yeah. Well, and Joe Mantegna. I can't do a fat. <laughs> <laughs> I want to do a fat Tony, so, but anyway. I don't do it very well. Anyway, um, but no. See, Joe uh, Montana was Fat Tony. Charlie. Yeah, I know. In The <laughs> Simpsons. You ever seen The Simpsons? 
No, never seen it. No. What is that? Well, you should check it out. Anyway. Um, I've heard good was, things. I've heard good um, things. It was written by Barry Fanaro, who did this. Men in Black 2. I think you're like you're you're doing a shocker who did I this. Know. And he also did Kingpin. He wrote the screenplay for Kingpin. That um, the Farrelly's rewrote? Yeah. <laughs> and he uh, directed Platypus Man. Oh. Or, he wrote Platypus Man. I'm sorry. All the episodes of Platypus. With Richard Jenny? With Richard, Richard Jenny. Jenny. Which National is why I had to treasure. bring it up. Platypus Man is a forgotten show that was actually pretty good. Um, Richard Jenny was one of the funniest comedians of all time. And I don't think he gets credit. No, he doesn't. Even though he kind of took himself out of the right. limelight <laughs> to say. So let's talk about the Or crew. just the normal daylight. daylight. Yeah. <laughs> He's no longer a day or night walker. Too soon. Too, Too okay. soon. Too soon. Um, the movie is about four retired gangsters who are living in a decaying retirement community in Florida. Ah. Uh, when they are being squeezed out to make room for more high rent properties, they decide to come out of retirement to get more money to stay in their home. What follows is a hilarious series of events. <laughs> is it? Yes. They light the tail of a rat on fire <laughs> and it burns down a gangster's home. Comedy well, that's gold. Not, that's not the top of the head. laughing. <laughs> is it humor? Or is there something in the back of your mind? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I'm a sicko who likes to the, the harm rats. Maybe. I, I'm just thinking of Harlan Elson talking about taking dates. Do you remember this, James? In the 60s to the, to the dump to shoot rats. <laughs> Sorry. You remember that story? He thought yeah. that, and he's, they thought I was bug fuck crazy. <laughs> and he was. It's a good way to edit out people that don't want to really spend time with you. Though, yeah, you, know? you want to go to the dump and shoot rats? But no, there are many, <laughs> many, many, many great gangster films that I could bring up. I wanted to talk about The Crew <laughs> for two minutes. I am done. <laughs> it is funny. It the it is a good ens- it is a good ensemble cast. How they connect with one another. Seymour Cassell basically does has no lines whatsoever. He does everything silent because he doesn't talk in the movie, and he pulls it off. It's a it's a decent film. It's not the best gangster film ever made. That's coming later on. <laughs> but I want to talk about the crew. James, I wanted to talk about a movie that doesn't suck. Um, though it's not it's not. It's not what? Have you seen The Crew? You know, I have, but it's been a while. It's I, just, it's, it's, I'm it's, sitting here questioning whether I've seen it or not. Now. That film is, is older. Um, I, I want to talk about probably my favorite gang-related film where Elijah, Elijah Cook Jr. plays a pretty major role. Gang-related. With Tupac and, and Jim Belushi. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, totally he's in that. Is he really? I don't know. I, I don't know. I've never seen gang-related. I want to talk about uh, Stanley Kubrick's The Killing. That's a good movie. Yeah. It's, uh, it's you know, I, I rewatched it today, actually, because I was like, yeah, I've seen that, but I want to watch it again. And I'll be honest, Eli, uh, Eli Wallach Jr. plays, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Elisha Cook. Jr. I said Joe Montana was in the crew. No, that is uh, Miguel Sandoval. <laughs> they couldn't afford Joe Montana. <laughs> They went and got the poor man's Joe Montana. <laughs> I don't even know who Gail Sandibali is. You would if you looked him up. Go if, ahead, James. If you've never seen The Killing, it's Stanley Kubrick who went out and nothing. Go, just a bum after this. Never did yeah, any other movie. Didn't do jack shit. No, no. Don't even look him up. Don't bother. But All work and no play meant speak Stanley something, something. No, and, and there was no Odysseys. Nothing after this. Well, no, he didn't do a movie called The Odyssey. Anyway. Elijah Cook Jr. is not the star of this, but he is one of the most, his 
final scene in the movie is one of the most compelling moments uh, in film from this time period. Uh, you know, they couldn't go too extreme with it, but his final scene with his uh, wife is just a great scene. You uh, spoiler if you haven't seen it, I'm going to spoil. We'll talk about Sterling Hayden, right? Sterling Hayden's a star. Yeah, he plays Johnny. John. Okay, so the general plot is Johnny. No is, studying. <laughs> Johnny has been in prison, and he gets released after five years, and he's with his main squeeze. No, he he. This lady has waited for it, and literally her entire world revolves around him. She even says, I'm not pretty, I'm not smart, you're all I've got. He's going to do, he's getting a gang together, he's going to do one last score, because gangster films, that always works out. Yep. Um, hey, it worked for the crew. <laughs> and he, the, what he does is he basically, Elijah Cook Jr. plays uh, the money taker at a horse track, and there's a big horse race running up, and they're going to rob it. And what's cool, what Stanley Kubrick does, and what's cool about the film is it has a narrator that's kind of, that, that does time, basically. All this narrator, I mean, he'll say, at 4.20, Johnny did this. Mm-hmm. But then it'll jump back 30 minutes earlier, this is what happened. And it goes back and forth between these different characters to show exactly what's going on at the time. And then at the end, it all pulls together. But the reason I love Elijah Cook's scene is the the entire movie falls apart, or the entire plot falls apart because he makes a mistake of trusting his wife. And his final scene in the film, and and if you haven't seen it, you'll you'll still be compelled. So the moral of the story is never it's, trust it's your com- wife. It's it's a compelling scene. She's cheating on him. She tells her boyfriend so he can. He's literally it, her boyfriend's going to wait. Her her lover is going to wait until they rob it, and then she's he's going to rob them. He shows up to rob them. Elisha Cook is in the back, hears him coming to rob him. He shoots him. Johnny's not even there with the money yet. He Tommy guns down everybody else that's involved. Elisha Cook manages to kill him and the other guy that's with him. And then he has bullets in him. And he's got blood all over his face where he has been hit by shot. And he stumbles all the way home. And it's just him opening the door. And she, and originally, she doesn't turn around. She's packing her luggage to leave with her, her lover. And she even lover. Lover. Val, who is uh, her, her, her uh, side, I guess. Um, side piece. Yeah. Val, is a, Val are you, you ready to go? I'm almost packed. And it's, of course, her husband. Uh, he, his name is George in the movie. And he literally just has this. Is he of the jungle? Yeah, he's from the jungle. Okay, just checking. It's a a well-known fact that Elisha Cook Jr. often played, even in House on Hill. The backstory that I'm going to is that he's from the jungle, Chad. Always has those splinters in his face. Gotta Uh, be Hill. Anyway, he's (laughs) he's covered it, and and he he basically says, why do you do it? And then she says, she says, and I'm sick. I need to go to the hospital. And she turns to him and said, go outside and call a cab. And he uh, shoots her. And then he dies. He falls and knocks over a birdcage. And you see the parrot still talking. And then it cuts. And it's just compelling to watch. Because he has been stepped on his entire life. And he kept coming back to her. And you can tell from the first time he sees her that he does care about her. But you know that it's not going to work out. And he still tells her about the plot. It's a great, compelling film. And yes, Sterling Hayden is the main guy. 
the acting's good. There's some paternal things that go on. You want, even though you know they're terrible, you want them to make it. And I've already said, most of them die. He is delayed. He doesn't get there with the money in time. So when he gets there, he realizes everything went sideways and he leaves. And I won't give away the final line because the final line is, uh, I think it's three or four words. And it literally just sums up it's he's he he's not dead, but he knows there's no way out. Yeah, that's so, Stanley Kubrick. The killing. 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 Who's next? You not know. to be confused with that show, The Killing. Because every <laughs> time I looked for the killing, even when I was pulling it up on my my uh I don't know if it was Amazon or Netflix, where it was, but it kept saying, Do you mean killing the TV show? And I'm like, No, I'm trying to watch the killing. All right. This one has number 18 of the top 100 best lines of all time. We're sticking <laughs> with Jimmy Cagney. Real quick, uh, real quick, Joe, I wanted to say this. I mentioned the narration that I actually liked. Kubrick hated it. The studio made them mad at it because they said, you can't jump time and not tell people. Mm-hmm. So just FYI, it turns out Kubrick didn't necessarily like the way the studio treated his movie. Never happened again, luckily. Never. Actually, no, he pretty much had control, but that's beside the point. Made it my top of the world. And then it blows to hell. Yeah. Yeah, that's the way it goes. Uh, oddly enough, I actually didn't realize in this movie we're going to talk about is Raul Walsh's Wyatt Heat with James Cagney. I didn't realize several of the characters are actually based on real people, real villains. Okay. They're a lot closer relationship. The character's name's Cody Jarrett, the Jimmy Cagney villain. And he's really <clears throat> despicable in this. You think he's bad in Public Enemy. This, this guy has very... I, actually, I don't know that this guy has any kind of. Have you ever seen it? You haven't said the name of the movie yet. White Heat. I said White Heat. Oh, you said White Heat. Yeah. I actually have not seen White Heat. I've wanted to. He it, was. It you were a big fan of Latino Heat, though, in the day. It's 1940s, which would have been a, quite a quite a jump. But he doesn't have any kind of redeemable characteristics. <clears throat> when, also, like Acapulco Heat. The unusual relationship. He's obsessed <laughs> with his mother. He and his mother are very close. Is based on. Uh, the domineering mother was inspired by the real-life bank robbers, Kate Barker, a.k.a. Ma Barker, Barker. and her sons, actually. Hmm. Character Cody Jarrett was based on New York murderer Francis Crowley, who engaged in pitch battle with police in 1931 at the age of 18. Murdered on January 32, his last words, send my love to my mother. It was James Cagney himself who had the idea of making Cody psychotic. Cagney attributed the performance to his father's alcoholic rages, which he had witnessed as a child, as well as someone they'd seen in a visit at the mental institution. So it's Virginia Mayo. Cody Jarrett is a sadistic leader of a ruthless gang of thieves. Afflicted by terrible headaches and fiercely devoted to his mom, Cody is a volatile, violent, and eccentric leader. I don't need to give you the rest of the story. He's a bad mofo. Shut your mouth. <laughs> I'm talking about Cody Jarrett. <laughs> if you've ever had the opportunity, and you won't have it again, and if you haven't had the opportunity to ride the ride, then watch it on YouTube. It was one of my favorite rides at Disney. It used to be called MGM Studios. Mm -hmm. It then changed its name to Hollywood, Hollywood. Hollywood Studios, Studios, and then it's going to change its name again. Oh, is it? I think so. Oh, I didn't know that. Well, that's the scuttlebutt for the last two years. Okay. Doesn't mean it won't happen. One of my favorite rides was the Great American Movie Ride. It was right there when, if you walk down their Main Street, USA, or Hollywood, USA. Or Hollywood and Vine, I guess. It was made to look like the Chinese uh, garment, uh, what is that? The Chinese theater. The yeah, movement. and from the 30s. Okay. You walk down and there was the Chinese theater and you go in and ride the Great American Movie Ride. 
I enjoyed it. It had Alien, it had Cowboy, it had a John Wayne scene, and it had Jeremy Cagney. Basically, that one, I think, is straight out of White Heat. I can't remember if it's Public Enemy or White Heat. James but, officially doesn't give a shit about what you're no, saying. No, he just walked the hell out of here. <laughs> yeah. If you're listening at home, James just got up and said, fuck it, I'm done. This is, <laughs> I've got tenure, and I need to write rights. Write rights? Write rights. Anyway. I loved it. I always enjoyed it. It's probably where I actually was introduced because I rode that ride when I was 11 or 12 years old to those movies yep. somewhat because I hadn't got to watch them. It's not like they were playing in the holler all the time. You had to seek them out. White Heat's a lot of fun. Definitely go out and check it out. I could sit here and tell you about it, but we're talking about an 80-year-old movie. Right. You're either going to watch it or you're not going to watch it. I guarantee you'll have more fun with it even if you think you won't. Something interesting. You would think, because he was known for those roles, that he would have been more appreciative of it. But you're right. He's, he, he's, he a song, he's a song and dance man. He actually shit on White Heat, which is considered a classic a little bit, saying, yeah, it's just another one of those low-budget fodder films. Right. Yeah. Because, and he, oddly enough, I think he only made one or two Westerns. And don't you find that fascinating, considering when he was in the movie business? Uh, yeah. He only made a couple. I, one that I can think of. I can't. I think there's two. That's it. How could he not have made more westerns? That's all they were effing making. That and gangster films. That's it, right? Yeah, I mean, Warner Brothers, Warner gangster films built Warner Brothers. Just like people forget, horror films built Universal. Actually, I think that's slightly remembered a little bit better, just because of Universal monsters. But gangster films built Warner Brothers. Gangster films in the 1930s were Mm -hmm. the Marvel. Yeah, of the of that time, there was um, that, and the horror films there were the monsters, right. and Universal was built by by uh, the monster films. Sorry, no, just no. like just like people will forget. Well, New Line actually went the way of the dinosaur for the most part; it got yeah. absorbed by Warner Brothers, the Time Warner. But that house was built by Freddy Krueger. Right, it was straight horror films. Yep, I anyway. mean it was more than horror films, but it was known for the horror films. Yeah, um, let me get my thing back up. All right. That's gonna take a while. You need me to spit in my hand. <laughs> so uh, I'm, I'm not. I'm not doing mine chronologically. And again, I wanted to. I thought about bringing up movies like James Cagney or Martin Scorsese, but I want to talk about other gangster films that. Um, oh, I've got one none of you picked, and it's not even going to be in the 30s or 40s. Oh well, um, they made it in the last couple of decades. Hmm. Okay. Um, I'm going to tell you later. Okay, I, I'm dying with anticipation. <laughs> I don't you think just hide right. and watch. You just hide and watch. He'll tell you. Hide and watch. You get back there under that tank. <laughs> tank? Tank. I don't know. It sounded funny in it's, my head. It's, it's, no, it sounded like kank. And I'm like, what's a kank? You get under that taint. <laughs> no. No. Mm-mm. No, the sir. 40 ain't going to wash itself, James. <laughs> I need the power washer. <laughs> Hello, how may we help you? So I felt like this movie was kind of forgotten in, in the past two years. I'm talking about Legend. Uh, written and directed by Brian Helgeland, who wrote, who uh, directed Payback, 42, A Nice Tale. But he it also, was also wrote, rewritten and redirected by someone else, too. Yeah, and he also wrote L.A. Confidential, Mystic River, Conspiracy Theory, and shout out to Mick Strawn, his first movie ever in Hollywood history, Nightmare on Elm Street. Part four. Do you know the history of that screenplay? Did did Mick tell you about it? Do you know any much about it? Is it Mick? Is it a lot of it Mick's book? Uh, I mean, he talked about it a little bit in our episode too. Yeah, the writer was... strike. Yeah, yeah. Um, Brian got credit. Yes. Uh, so it was um Tom Hardy, Emily Browning, and Christopher Eccleston. Tom Hardy is in a dual role. 
Um, this follows the exploits of the Cray twins. Um, there is an original, there's a movie from the 80s, 80s called, called The Crays, which is not good at all. It's an inter it, it's interesting because those two are interesting yes. because they actually existed. Agreed. Um, That's a British film. It is a British I've film. I've seen it a um, long time ago. And the whole thing about this one too is the uh, when they originally saw the craze, the the people who produced this movie wanted to redo it, but they wanted to make it less British and make it more of an American gangster film, which is why this one got made. Um, so the movie tells the story of the Cray twins, both played by Tom Hardy who led a reign of terror in London during the 1960s. The movie follows her meteoric ride to the top of London's crime world mm -hmm. and their eventual downfall, um, which was even more chaotic than the rise up. Um, Tom Hardy plays both the level-headed manipulative Reggie Cray and the completely psychotic Ron Cray, um, and that's what made this movie amazing to me. Him playing two completely different people and doing it flawlessly. I agree. The only thing about that movie to me that's memorable is him as the craze. Agree. And, and Brian Hegeland has done. So he plays both the Cray, Cray brothers? Yeah, he plays them both. Oh, so he's Cray Cray? Yeah. I can't believe we walked into that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a nice give a shout out to Brian Hegeland because that's he, probably the one he's most successful film. Yeah. It's a uh, nice tale. Yeah, even though I love payback. He's Cray Cray for real, real, not for play play. Um, but Brian Hegeland uh, first learned of the Cray twins when he was uh, working on an aborted biopic about Led Zeppelin. Do you have to use the word aborted? Uh, I pulled this straight out of the IMDb. You pulled this straight out of your stem cell research. You so said. I didn't. I didn't really reword it. <laughs> um, but this is straight from IMDb. Oh, um, no, that's okay. They support stem cells. He had been accompanying Jimmy Page and Robert Plant on a world tour when he noticed one. That of must suck. Yeah, <laughs> but, that's a shitty job. I bet he got paid while he was doing it. Probably bastard. And he noticed, uh, but he noticed one of their entourage was missing a middle finger. Um, when asked, that, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't. It was they don't say what finger it was. When he asked how he lost the finger, he was told the Cray twins cut it off. Um, intrigued by this, Hegelin actually went out and I'm I'm saying it wrong because of racist um, to find out more about the notorious gangsters. That's how he started writing the script. Yeah. Um, which led to them going to the producers and going, okay, we want to make this because we love the craze, but we want to make it more American, even though it's about British gangsters. No, um, but the movie is really fascinating just to see how awful these people were. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> and they don't pull any punches. These are terrible people. They don't make them, because that's one of the things I didn't really care about about the original craze, is they kind of made them a little compassionate. It's been a long time since I've seen it. I just thought it was boring. The, the the original one is boring. The original one's a little boring. It's interesting because those people actually existed. existed. The only and the original doesn't really focus on Ron Cray's homosexuality. Yeah, I was about to say. But it, it is that true? It. Oh yeah. So he was, but he was out before it was fashionable. Right. To be out. And honestly, um, there's a documentary about the Cray's. I believe it's on Netflix. Um, there's actually speculation that even Reggie was was gay. Uh -huh. Um, which is how uh because the whole story about how he met his wife or his soon-to-be wife, is not really accurate. Um, the, the story is that uh, Reggie actually met her through a through her brother, and the reason they were together is probably because uh, it's speculated that Reggie and him had a homosexual relationship in prison. Oh, okay. And that's how he got introduced to Well, him. it was prison. Yes. I mean, but supposedly those, term for that. It's, and if you listen to the, the documentary, those actually went out once they were into the real world as well. Hmm. He favored both. Anyway, so um, the Cray tw 
it's a great um, piece of inf- about the craze, real people that existed. I'm not criticizing you. No. It's an uneven movie. It I is. don't know that it's a movie I could really recommend other than if you're really in the Tom Hardy, then it's a fantastic performance from Tom Hardy. It's absolutely amazing. Even if you're not a, a Tom Hardy but fan, if you want to see... If you're interested in gangsters, I think it's a good one. Yes. Or the, or better, the, better than him playing uh, Shinzon, the, the Picard club. Yes. Yes. Every yeah. time we talk about <laughs> Tom Hardy, you have to bring up Star Trek Nemesis. <laughs> you know what it's not better than? Did you see when he was Venom? <laughs> and I was the only one out of the three of us, the non-comic book guy that defended go, well, it's I, I still haven't seen it. You haven't seen it? Ugh. It's okay. No, it's, it's not, not very good, but it's okay. <laughs> how does it compare to as everybody said it was? Hold on. How Tom Hardy's the redeemable part of it. Hold yeah. on. Real quick. How does it compare to Joker? Now, let me take this off. <laughs> I've oh, never seen Joker. Fuck the Joker. <laughs> you still met, you get, you weren't this angry about it last week. I, I just don't, I don't see the point in it. I just don't. <laughs> Joaquin Phoenix does a great job, but fuck it's it. It's not the Joker. <laughs> It's not. I mean, it's it's. Yeah, no. I. I'm not. I'm not. I wasn't angry watching the Joker as I was the Justice League, or did Superman you, did Returns. Did I send you Joe Blow? What the fuck happened to this movie, Justice League? No, you sent me the Super Mario Brothers. Well, well that's good. That was, I thought was more up your alley. Watch yeah, yeah. the Justice League one. Okay, it's pretty good. So anyway, we're talking about Joker. We're talking about superhero films, and we're talking about gangsters. James, go. Well, you talked about one based on an actual case. Now, I'll talk about one based on an actual case. Good fellas. Um, I'm going to punch you in the throat. Untouchables. Uh, this, this film. Lit mess and the unflushables. <laughs> this film. Um, Have to use that goddamn two-ply. Go good speed. See? I, I quoted I, not that movie. Yeah. No, I get it. That's the Chicago. Anyway. No. We'll, Winners. Wine um, about their mouth. <laughs> um. So this film actually was based on on. I got that screwed up. You did. I wasn't going to correct you. You should (laughs) have. Are you going to talk? I was going to, but y'all seem to be having a moment. You you need a moment. You gonna you gonna you gonna patch things up. You gonna gonna work. I didn't know we were on the rocks until I got a certified letter from that. (laughs) (laughs) Um. So this is uh, this is a movie that bombed, um, hard. More than uh, the but I'd, I'd be more curious about what happened to the craze. Why they just dumped it? Yeah, true. Uh, this film, though, uh, was directed by Johnson. Is it Hensley? Directed The Punisher and Army, uh, and wrote. He's more known for his screenplay writing uh, because he wrote the screenplay for the original Jumanji, Die Hard with a Vengeance, uh, A Far Off Place. Uh, he wrote The Punisher. Um. What what movie is it, dear? But anyway, uh, so he directed uh, the Punisher was the first film he directed. Jonathan Hensley, though, was tapped to tell the story of Danny Green. And if you don't know the story of Danny oh, Green, yeah, Danny Green was was the person who effectively stood up to the mafia in Cleveland. And if you think the mafia is not big in Cleveland, they were in the nineteen sixties and seventies. Yeah. Now. That doesn't make Danny Green a hero, though. If you go back and read the actual story of them, children wrote songs about how epic he was. He and he was. He was so he was Irish, and he worked as a longshoreman unloading grain. So I haven't said the name of the movie, buddy. I know I'm getting there. Okay, and he went, way. he went from unloading grain to becoming the union boss 
to going down for union corruption and then coming back and working his way up, manipulating different people to rival the mafia, forming, and I don't think the film ever actually says uh, the title, he called it something like the the Celtic um, Coalition or something. And they were able to actually drive out the mafia. And as Chad said, they tried to kill him by car bomb multiple times. Sometimes the car blew up and he would walk away. They blew up his house. They blew up his house, and he and his wow. Atlantic City by the band, and they blew up the house, too. Does anybody know the song I'm talking about? 36 car bombs in Cleveland in the summer of 76. Look it up. The film is called Kill the Irishman. It is, and Christopher Walken's in it. The cast, uh, he is played by um, Ray Stevenson, right? who went on to play another form of Punisher. Uh, Vincent Deonfer, uh, yeah, I've never Vincent. seen it. It's really good. Um, Vincent Val Kilmer, Dimaprio. thank you. Uh, Val Kilmer, Christopher Walken, and pretty much anybody that ever played an Italian guy on The Sopranos. It came out and it kept fluctuating at the box office. It did. It premiered low, then it jumped up like seventy percent the next day, then it dropped the next day, then it went back up, and then finally theaters said they were tired of it. What's interesting about it though is Christopher Walken plays uh, a a Jewish guy that has always been left alone by the mafia. And he's the first one that kind of almost betrays Danny Green. And, and then he's the one, he has the line, kill the Irishman. Here's $100,000 for the first person who kills the Irishman. The reason this is an interesting case, oh, and Linda Cardellini's in it and a couple other people. Uh, but the, uh, the, the overall cool part about it is they intercut actual scenes from the news when this happened. So it jumps back to here's a news clip from 1974, showing this guy's rise to power and fall. And the very end of the movie, they actually show the clip where uh, in the movie, they dramatize it a little bit uh, where he says, listen, if, if these mafia guys wants to find me, there's the trailer I work in. My house is down here. I sleep above that bar. I'm easy to find. They show that actual clip, and his last words in the interview was, you know, uh, the interviewer says something like, aren't you afraid that if you keep trying to call people out, they'll come for you? And his, his last part of the interview, as he walks into the trailer, is when, uh, when he calls your number, it doesn't matter who's out to get you. He was a terrible human being, mm-hmm. but he arguably is the reason the mafia is not in Cleveland today. Or as, in, as the end of the movie says, they've never recovered. They don't say they're no longer there, but they are not the power they once were in Cleveland. And again, it's not that he was a great guy, but the guy that eventually killed him in real life, in the movie he's played by Robert Davi, or Davy, Davi? Davi. Uh, I've heard it pronounced both ways, but I really think it's Davi. It, Ray Ferrito is the guy that uh, he plays, and that's the guy that actually did finally manage to kill him. After I think it was something like the seventh car bomb finally got him. After they had tried to shoot him, stab him, everything else, they finally got him coming out of the dentist appointment. Mm-hmm. And he, uh, and what happened was that then the uh, the mafia boss, the local one, tried to turn on Ray Ferrito, and Ray Ferrito went, "Listen, I killed the Irishman. I'll turn evidence," and went straight to the FBI. And that actually led to a chain reaction to where five New York crime families got named in that turnaround mm-hmm. it's now the movie's big critique has been what's a lot like goodfellas 
but it's based on the actual case. The problem is Jonathan Hanslay is a big fan of Goodfellas, and so he does some he does a lot of homages to the way Scorsese shoots film. Yeah, like blood splatters when he punches and cutting away at certain times. That being said, this is actually based on an actual film. It's I actually it caused me to go back and I wanted to find out more about Danny Green. He, he's insane. Mm-hmm. He uh, and what the movie doesn't cover was he was in the military and actually started to train other people. He's in the Marines, and uh, the movie makes allusions to the fact that he read all the time. He he basically fell out of school, but he became obsessed with reading Irish history, and he truly believed in this idea of the Irish, you know, knights, and, and this idea that he was ordained through his history. And so the movie doesn't go into that as much, but it's a very interesting case uh, that happened in the Cleveland in the mid seventies that I had never heard of before. All right. Kill the Irishman. Mine is recent too. And it's a little more obscure. The director and actor teamed up both in the two thousands to do two quite different, in my opinion, gangster films, not necessarily what you would think of as gangster films. And the first one they did was based on a graphic novel, which the director had never bothered to read and didn't know after he signed on and then didn't go back to read it because he was already rewriting the screenplay that already existed. Okay. What? Do you know what I'm talking about? I'm not sure. We're talking about David Cronenberg's A History of Violence. (laughs) What? No. I think it's a great movie. Uh, Did I give you a look like that? I'm going to disagree with you. John Wagner and Vince Locke wrote the graphic novel, which I've never read either. Have you guys ever read it? Nope. Did you know William Hurt got, I don't remember this, but he was actually, he was the main boss. Mm -hmm. And he's only on the screen for 10 minutes. He was nominated for Best Supporting Actor for that. Do you remember that? I did not know he was nominated. I didn't either. And so, I, did, I thought it was actually less than 10 minutes. It seemed uh, like he was barely he's in there. He was barely in at the end. Viggo Mortensen is fantastic in it. Oh, hands down. Maria Bello is fantastic in it. Of course, she's a wonderful actress anyway. Yeah. Ed Harris, fantastic. I, I could just keep going. Yeah, yeah. Everybody I'm, in that movie. A mild the man- Rock's Ed Harris? Except the son. Yeah. I'd hated the son. <laughs> well, that's okay. A mild-mannered man becomes a local hero through an act of violence which sets off repercussions that will shake his family to its very core. Um, one interesting tidbit, it came out in two, 20, uh, 2010. On, it's the last American film to come out on VHS in 2010. That is interesting. I did not know that. I, I couldn't believe that. Yeah. I, I, that has nothing need to do here or there, but I guess there had to be the last one. Yeah, there had to be. It's a history of violence, by the way. So Cronenberg received the script and did no idea that it was... Uh, actually based on a graphic novel. An interesting thing that didn't come up in my research that I just know about it. Was this his, was this his uh, catapult out of yeah, horror? That's what I was about to tell okay. you. Is it close to what you're thinking, but not quite the same. So before that, he'd done a movie called spider. Oh, I forgot. Yeah. yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's a Cronenberg may have made a movie. You don't like, but Cronenberg's never made an uninteresting film. Right. Agree. Well, and spider is, to me, the way he sets it up, I mean, down to the, if you've never seen Spider, he chain smokes. And the fingers. Yeah. Have yeah. The, 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 yeah. So, Ralph Ray, Fine, Fiennes. Ray Fiennes. Ray Fiennes is amazing in that movie. So, what I was about to tell you all is that what we forget is Cronenberg was working for the studios in the 80s. Right. The Fly was a big studio picture that mm-hmm. was produced by Mel Brooks. And it was a big hit. And then Fox put a lot of money behind it. It was made to be successful. 
And then he kind of ventured away from the studio and did Dead Ringers and started doing independent films again. Well, that's cool. Throughout the 90s and 2000s, he actually, by this time, needed to work and needed to make money. I don't know if you all knew that. He had still never gotten paid a dime for making Spider. Wow. Never gotten any money out of it and still hadn't received any money. And he actually told his agent, I've got to have a movie. And that's how we got a history of violence. Wow. I think it's fascinating. It's not on here. I couldn't find it. I just happened to know it. And what happened is, is he got the screenplay. He doesn't get credit, but he actually rewrote the entire screenplay, but he never got screenplay credit for it. And then by the time he figured out that it was based on a graphic novel, he was too far down the rabbit hole and said, well, I just don't want to know. I've made my own thing. Does that make sense yeah. to you all? It's like, well, it's done. I actually kind of understand. I, my curiosity probably would have got the best of me to read it. But I do kind of understand. I'm already making this movie. This is the story I want to do. If I'm going to read it, is it going to influence me one way or the other? Why don't we do it and then after it's done? What I love about this, past the, past the great acting, well, past everybody being a great actor, is that this may be Viggo Morrison's best role. And I'll tell you why, in my opinion. He starts out as a chef. Well, he worked. He owns a little diner. His wife, they lived in a small town. He owns a little diner. These two serial killer, psychopaths, murderer, robbers come in. One of them played by Stephen McCaddy. If you don't know who that is, Google that son of a bitch. He's a great character actor. Right. Canadian. Fantastic. And they come in the diner to cause trouble. And I didn't know. I was reading a little bit more about it. I need to rewatch it. If you go look, the way he reacts is completely different from the rest of the diner. It's so subtle. And there's a time when he can attack, but he doesn't. And then if you go back and rewatch it, you realize he's waiting until one of them is paying less attention. Huh. But it's all subtle and built in. Yeah. Now, what it is, is that he's actually, um, his real name is Joey. He was a gangster who fled from the business, settled down, married this prom, uh, married this girl. The high school cheerleader. High school cheerleader. They have kids. Because like losers kid. always whine about the best. Right. <laughs> and they have the perfect little family. And But the thing is, is can you change your nature? So these come in. He kills both of these people through violence. And he's a hero. Well, that gets out into the media. And Ed Harris is a gangster who's lost his eye. And he lost his eye to this guy whose original name was Joey. Joey. And he says, I, I know a lot of faces, but when I close this eye, I always see Joey. Right. So he goes to town to kill him. Well, he has to leave. And then the family starts to figure out. And as here's what I find beautiful about that film and this performance. As he gets closer and closer to having to go kill these gangsters because they won't leave him alone, his accent changes. Mm-hmm. And he gets more and more and more of that original, I think it's from Philadelphia, Yeah, this Philly accent that he never had at the beginning of the movie. Mm -hmm. And his real self keeps coming more and more out. And it has a haunting ending. Yes. Can I, it's okay for me. I mean, this yeah. movie's been out We've already said years. spoilers. Like I said, if, if people already don't know that we tell the, the endings of movies, there are far 40 people are going to be on this. You can know how all these movies end. Oh, you should see a history of violence. Yes. And you can still, like, and that was my entire thing. It doesn't matter that I've told you that Kill the Irishman ends with him dead because it's a history. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cut, yeah. cut into you, cut into yeah. before you talk about the ending. There's the one scene where I believe after he kills um, in the middle of the movie and he's covered in blood mm -hmm. and he walks up to his son and all that's going on is the music. You, he's not saying a word, but he's looking at his son covered in blood and he just reaches out to give him a hug. Yes. You can see that there's just by Vigo's silent stare that something is not clicking. 
in his his mind. He is he is reverting back to this old style gangster, but he's trying to hold on. He still to, loves his son. He still loves his son and is still trying to to grasp on what he had had and is now lost because of what what has happened, just by a simple stare and a hug, covered in blood. It's an amazing scene. And he loves his family, and that's what I want to talk about. The end, even though I hate his fucking son. <laughs> And 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 if you yeah. go back and we'll look at interviews when the movie came out, Cronenberg talked about being a Darwinist, yeah. and how you know certain people are just superior, and that they learn. And that and there's a and he plays out in the movie because the son gets in a fight at school and beats the shit right. out of a kid. So did he? He obviously never saw his dad until this time. Right. So is it genetically in there? Is it Darwinism? Do you yeah. see what I'm saying? Yeah. But Cronenberg had all these layers of things that he believed that he built into the movie. So the ending of the scene is all of them around the table. He's already, he had to go kill all the gangsters. Of course he does it. He gets back to his home. Kind of, a, for example, uh, the searchers. Can, can you ever go home? Right. And he goes home and they're all sitting around the table, dinner table. It's late at night, as I recall. And they're just kind of crying, uh-huh. looking at one another. And there's two ways you could look at it. The family is completely broken and it'll never recover. Or the family is broken, but they're still together in a family. Because their love is stronger. And their love is stronger. I prefer to look at it as the latter. Same here. Even before my child, because I think my child has ruined me in a good way, probably in several different facets of my life. But I still believe to look at it that they still love one another. That's still his dad. That's 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 still his wife. That's still her husband. Yes, they didn't know certain things about him, but that that make their love for each other any different. Yeah, the, I mean that's how I'd always interpreted it as well. That, that but don't you think was, you could look at it the other way? Yeah, you could totally. And I, I mean, I looked at it at both ways, but I do tend to accept the fact it's that a he's, haunting scene. That he's that that they're just happy that he's home. They're dealing with the emotions of knowing what they know, but their love for him is still stronger than dealing with his past. Yes, and I hope it works out for him. <laughs> I doubt the Cronenberg's going to make a sequel. But I hope they go back and they're able to cope and they don't end up in divorce court. Why not? (laughs) But I'll I'll be honest right now. I'll write current events of violence today. We've got the (laughs) history. I'll write the current events. I love the movie. The other one would be Eastern Promises, which is another, which is about the Russian mafia, which is a whole other set of fucked up, which is actually true, Right. right? Yeah. And it's a great movie too. It's very enjoyable. However, History of Violence to me is the superior one. Right. Although he gives a great performance. He does. With his dick out fighting. Yeah, in the, sh- in the, in the shower. <laughs> in yeah. the shower. I know that's how I like to tussle, boys. Uh, <laughs> let me take my whacker out. <laughs> Gonna whack people with that? <coughs> nope. <laughs> All right. Now that we're done with penises. Ah, oh, so- we're never done with penis. I saved my last. Um, it's not. It's not my last. I am going to. Bring, I am going to bring up one more at the end. Damn you! But so this, what? What are, are we filming both episodes tonight? What are no, we doing? I'm tired. I can't do both. <laughs> okay, I, no, no. I just want. We to don't have sure. to do another. One. Like I said earlier, I could do two no, of them. I, I can do two of them because I was. So we may revisit. Why don't you all let us know how you enjoyed this? We say this all the time. Yeah, yeah. And nobody lets Nobody's us know. Nobody's ever lets us yeah. know. But they. Not, now, I, some people. Right. Some people are voting on that. That post well, uh, we'll get that in a minute. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway so i'm going to bring up uh one of my favorite gangster films of all time it's one of those ones that a, peop- a lot of people don't know that it a lot of people don't know about it the long good friday oh uh, it has uh it is actually the breakout performance of one of my favorite actors of all time bob hoskins um 
I didn't realize that this was his breakout role. I thought he was, was Mona Lisa. Uh, but this was actually the one that broke him into the next level. It was uh, it came out in 1980, the year yeah. of my birth. Um, You're old as fuck. I'm aware. Um, <laughs> I'm two years older than fuck. So the writer and director <laughs> actually don't have anything of note other than the Long Good Friday. Uh, I didn't know that. John McKenzie, who has directed, he directed quite a bit, but this was his biggest m- movie of note. Do you know I've only, I don't think I've ever seen it. Oh, I think God. I've only seen scenes. It's so good. Do you have a copy? No. Where I did it you was, find it? It was on Netflix. And when, it's all, it's, it's no, it was on Netflix when I watched it. It's no longer streaming anywhere. Because I tried to look for it. I tried to look for it this afternoon. To well, now I have it. something to watch. Thank you, Chad. You're welcome. Um, and uh, written uh, written by Barry Keefe. It is, it is currently streaming if you have the Criterion channel or the Criterion subscription. Uh, no. No. <laughs> well, then you will not be seeing the long good. I've got a, there's a database now that will tell you where everything's still. Oh, great. Oh, good. Uh, but Bob Hoskins stars Bob Hoskins and Helen Mirren, and it is the movie debut of a one Pierce Brosnan, oh. who has one line in Why the are whole movie. You doing? I don't know. This it's just right a, now. I have no idea. But uh, he uh, and his line was improvised. It wasn't in the script. But he thought he'd be clever. <laughs> you go, y'all filming? Is on? <laughs> Either one of you want to know what his most memorable line? Is? Of course we don't. Do you want to guess? I just guess. You don't eat no. that Big Mac, no. James. Is it <laughs> close? Close. Mc, McRibwich. It's the same <laughs> syllable. Hi. <laughs> As in the greeting, or is boy, this shit's good. No. Hi, as in the greeting. No. I um, prefer boy. He this plays. Shit's uh, good. He plays Irishman number one. Why does he get to be number one? <laughs> Why can't he be number two? Nobody wants to be number two. Uh, Who does number two work for? Should never end a sentence on a preposition, Mike Myers. Uh, but uh, the story involves an up-and-coming gangster. Yeah. Who is on the verge of cementing a very profitable deal. He um, is uh, developing. He uh, he wants to take a, a piece of London uh, dock or shipping area and turn it into something. And he has this great uh, deal with uh, an American company. Um, he's basically trying to go legit, right? And it's the Olympic Games. Like he's I trying have to go never legit. Never heard that plot before. Yeah, uh, he's trying uh, to go legit, but it, it's also centered around the then future London Olympic Games. Yeah. Are you sure he was not too legit, too legit to even quit? Hey, hey gonna let you go there but anyway too legit um, too legit to quit so all this amazing stuff is happening but his world starts to crumble immediately on good friday and the movie actually takes place over the span of 24 hours because what has happened there has been several incidents that has challenged his his authority and this company gives him 24 hours to show that he is still in power or they're backing out of this deal, and there goes all of his chances of of success in life. Mm. Um, so it's all about his struggle to figure out this foe. I don't want to. I I'm I'm not going to ruin it this time. I want you all to go look. No, I need to see it. I mean, I'm see, waiting for James to give me a gift card to the Criterion Channel. Channel. <laughs> is there a gift card to the Criterion? I don't know if there is. Yeah, it's right there. But, Kroger next to those other ones. <laughs> really? I didn't no. know. But as I mentioned at the beginning, this was Hoskins' breakout performance, and it was almost ruined. The producers of this film. There was a rabbit who wouldn't stop talking. <laughs> who, who framed him? Who framed Bob Hoskins? Was there a rabbit who framed Bob Hoskins? <laughs> no, there were some American producers to this movie who did not want to release it stateside because they said his London accent was so thick 
Cockney, right? It's Cockney. It's almost Cockney that he they, that the American audience would not understand him. So they actually went out and hired somebody to overdub his voice. <laughs> who was it? Uh, they didn't say who it was. Oh, um, it wasn't James. And they because they said it was so incomprehensible. But Hoskins actually fought. He was an up and coming actor. He fought, sued them, and he got backing from Warren Beatty and a couple other people to ensure that this did not happen. And they won. How does Warren Beatty have anything to do with that? They were friends. But Warren Beatty wanted to ensure that Bob Hoskins' um, actual talent was not diminished by somebody overdubbing his lines. And it really is a great pick. It is a great performance by both Bob Hoskins and Helen Mirren, who uh, plays his wife. Mm, Helen Mirren. And the ending, mm, it, the ending to that movie is spectacular. Uh, I don't want to say what happens in the ending, but the ending is really silent. Um, there's a uh, there's music playing behind it, and it's really really loud. And I was always curious as to because you can see Bob Hoskins and Helen Mirren's faces, and they are doing some amazing work, but it is silent. And I was always curious about that because it does throw me a little, but at the same time, it pulled me in because their fates are sealed at the end of this movie. It turned out that the reason they had to put the music at such high levels is because the director, John McKenzie. Um, was yelling at Bob Hoskins the entire time as to the emotion that he wanted Bob Hoskins to display. And he was yelling it so loud that they couldn't get rid of it in post. So they just muted it out and, pl- and uh, overdubbed Did the music. you say muted it out? Overdubbed? No, wait. You said smuted. I don't know. Muted it out. I, I, I got, just like smuted. I got braces. <laughs> uh, but no. They smuted his language. <laughs> so it actually ended up, uh, that little faux pas actually ended up working to... Uh, in that movie on an amazing note so again the long good friday all right one or i could do fifty-two thousand honorable as, mentions as let's I. limit it to one okay uh, 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 well if i'm only gonna do one and i'll save my other ones in if we do a future episode about yeah it. let's do that boys what do you think okay we got over an hour how I, much i think year? i do want one honorable mention because i won't bring it up in part two uh, I mean, if you guys want to do more, we can, but we kind of... No, because this one I, we talked about when we were doing previously that I was not going to bring up because we'd already talked about it during the cop movies. I do want to mention Dick Tracy because of the amazing performance of the mob characters in that movie, including Al Pacino, E.B., uh, sorry, William Forsyth, Ed O'Ross, who played Itchy, R.G. Armstrong, Harry and Silva, and Chuck Hicks, who played the brow of all of five minutes. Oh, the brow. So, uh, no, Dick Tracy is just one of those. It's a cop movie. It's a mob movie. It's a gangster film. It's an ama- It's based on a comic book. Based on a comic book. It pretty much just reached into Chad's pants and said, let me give you a handy J Tuesday. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so there's, okay, so I, my honorable mention, there are tons of gangster films. There are also many stories about Michael Sullivan. Some say he was a decent man. Some say there were no good in him at all. But I once spent six weeks on the road with him in the winter of 1931. This is our story. Based on a comic book, Road to Perdition. Oh, Oh. that was my honorable one, actually. Chad, look. Yeah. (laughs) Starring the future Superman, Tyler, I'm not going to try to pronounce his last name. I thought he was going to say Tom Hanks. No, Tyler Hoechlin is now Superman on the WB show. Well, who's Tom Hanks? Uh, he Lantern. is Michael Sullivan, and Michael Sullivan Jr. was uh, Tyler Green Lantern. No, he's fighting. Uh, Tom Hanks is fighting angels and demons. Oh, no. Daniel- he kicked the shit out of Mr. Rogers. 
Or is he Mr. Rogers? I was depressed when I read that all that stuff in that movie's fake. The movie where he plays Mr. Rogers. I haven't seen it. Oh. I haven't seen it. Um, but oh, Tom Hanks, uh, if you've never seen Road to Perdition, watch it because it's a great movie. It's based on a comic book. Um, based on a comic If you ever know... Wrong me, that, wrong me, wrong me. If you ever run into some... Only our YouTube video will find that even remotely funny. Well, uh, no. If, if you never, uh, if you ever run into somebody that says there's no good comic books that all comic book movies suck, tie them to a chair and make them watch Road to Perdition. Now you're going to jail. But you it's can't directed tie people Sam, Let's be honest too. It's directed by Oscar Winner Sam Mendes. Yeah, but that that comic series, in 1917. That comic series got sequels in and of itself. Uh, there's a, a a parallel story called On the Road to Perdition, which tells the the story of other characters that we see glimpses of and we get that um but the sequels are road to purgatory which is about his military service because at the end of the movie he, he adopts a different name more of a longer than an honorable mention and then uh road to paradise and then actually the the last follow-up is return to perdition and then the sequel to that was we're on the road <laughs> to morocco how <laughs> oh, that but beat. and that's uh but Joe, do you know what this is all an allusion to? You forget Bob Hope. I did forget Bob Hope's name. I'm just checking. Bing and Bob. Do you, you know what this is uh, was considered an adaption of, and they, the authors admitted that it was a huge inspiration. What? The same thing that a lot of people point to for the Mandalorian. It's Lone Wolf and Cub. There you go. All right, Lone Wolf, Wolf McQuaid. That's what I heard. Well, DJ and the Bear. Honestly, I don't want to do my Grizzly Adams. Mention. I actually want to hold it for the next episode. Yeah, I was going to do an honorable mention, but I'm not going to do it because if we're going to do it, yeah, it, Eastern well. Promises. If you're going to go on and do Vega Mortensen, go ahead and Cronenberg do Eastern Promises. That, that's a that's a hell of a back to back. That's I, I kind of want to do that right now. Mm-hmm. All right, it was good talking to you all. Where's the booth? <laughs> I'm going to go watch me some Vega. Wrong man. Hey, wrong man. <laughs> All right. So, Scourge of Carpathia. If you're still listening to us or watching us, we have something going on Twitter, James Wright, where they can just. Where they yeah, I mean, this one will the close. The Destructor. This one will close pretty soon. But we do want feedback from you all. And we found better than Facebook. We don't get a lot of. When we post on Facebook, we don't get a lot. No, but everybody that follows us is on Facebook. But the people who click on buttons evidently are on Twitter because we've already, I think we're up to almost 20 votes for a, a, a topic. Really? Um, yeah. Well, I voted once or twice myself. Oh, I don't think, I mean, were you on different devices? No, I voted once though. I well, you can vote once. That's how, that's how democracy works, Joe. Well, I don't vote. know. It's all up in the air this I'm going to say, I, I just almost had a, a three minute, a baby moment. I swear to God, I thought I saw somebody move behind Joe's head. You mailed <laughs> that. That's just the old dead ladies right over there behind the <laughs> wall. Cats keep scratching at it, meowing and shit. That's just Agnes. She just don't, she don't do nothing except eat souls. You're fine. Well, you don't got one. All right, the sulfur smells. I get it, but it's nice <laughs> and toasty in the basement. <laughs> By the way, I forgot I had my headset on. I almost went to grab something, but I was like, "What? No." So um, they need to, they need to go to the tweeter sphere and fill out a form and right, so it's a button you click it's a poll you click which one you try want not to, to smoke do. it we threw up four options we threw uh, up every uh, day <laughs> that's this how I say so uh no that's uh but we threw up four options for a show 
that you can pick what we do when this one closes, which I think this one will close on Sunday. I couldn't believe it. It was, it was a criticism of a colleague, believe it or not. <laughs> Boy, I sure am sweet. Anyway, this one I think closes on Monday. The first one will, but I, we will post another one right after that. And we literally just off the top of our head throw out four episodes, whichever one you all vote on. We will Don't do. say we. This was your sure. doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Although one well, of those I really want to do, believe it or not, it was the one I voted for. And two of those I really want to do too. I was like, oh, damn, those are good ideas. Yeah, the one was really good. Well, I'll be honest. I was sitting here and I was like, what have we thrown around? Because, us, for example, one of them is food and movies. And we have mentioned that twice. That's we're on the board. And that's what, so I was like, let's put it up and see what people vote on. So that's where those came from. That. They came out of my vague recollections of things we had talked about in passing before. All right. After this one closes, we'll put up another one. I'll put up another one. I tend to run Twitter, though they have access. But I'm just – uh, I don't know the password either. I sent it to both of you. Well, you <laughs> sent me lots of things. I know. It really scabies was the one I kept. Did you say scabies? Yes. I don't have I scabies. Pick them all from- I actually have very bad reaction to scabies. Especially on your junk. No, no, I, I'm extremely allergic to oh, that type of thing. It's, bad. it's a bad scene, Joe. It's a bad scene. Oh. Bad call, Ripley. What the bad hell call. are you washing this in? It's kind of fragrant. Who does your laundry? I do. <laughs> no, no, it's uh, Woo. Did you not take her, her shoes away from her and tell her to... Uh, did she bake a pie maybe while she was doing the laundry? Have you made some suggestions? I already told this? you uh, before we started recording, I had chicken pot pie soup. She doesn't actually make <laughs> I, I want to live it in a world where... Dick is what it smelled like when he belched it out later. <laughs> I, I want to live in a world where but dick smells anus. I'm maybe I'll... making an assumption. I want to live in a world where Chad's laundry is done by Wu from Deadwood. <laughs> Oh, and he's the San Francisco. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's that's. I want to live in that world. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for tuning in to Bonehead. If you enjoyed this and you'd like to have another gangsta episode, please let us know. Go watch. Go listen to How to Cook with Shrimp. Out. I want to be on How to Cook with Shrimp. Why don't you push stop so I don't have to cut all this.